There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Ben, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. And here we are, the end of a four-year era. Well, for us, it's been more like a... Eight weeks. Is that really it? Yeah. Well, just for the season. Yeah. Yes. So it's been more of an eight-week era. Two months, maybe, give or take. Yeah. This episode, we are talking the final arc of season eight, Last Gleaming. We'll have one more season eight episode after this, just to do some wrap-up, get some one-shots out of the way, and just a general discussion of it. But as far as the main narrative goes, this is the end of the longest season in all the Buffy and Angel comics significantly longest did it really take four years to come out yeah i I guess that doesn't surprise me not quite but yeah it's only 12 books a year that come out and then yep you know 40 issues that is plus some one shots quite the time commitment yeah it's shrunk down significantly i mean this current season is going to be legitimately a calendar year that seems more manageable as a reader as a processor I i know for me when this was coming out like, month to month, the reason that I read it as much as I did is because you'd almost need refreshers. Hmm. Like, what was the story we started a couple of years ago? What are we doing now? Yeah. I would not have remembered any of it, so it's a good thing I read it all in one collected volume. This final arc, titled Last Gleaming, is co-written by Joss Whedon and editor of the season 8 books, Scott Alley. Don't usually see editors getting writing credits, but... But know. there you go. And as through most of the season, we have George's Genty finishing out on pencils. There's been a couple of fill-in things here and there, but for the most part, he's been consistent all season, and I really think that's a major part. And it's looked really just the good. Unity. Yeah, no, I really enjoy him as an artist. Yeah. I remember some of the books we've looked at. There have been like some really good panels and some really interesting panels, but these have just been consistently very well drawn. Yeah, I think it really captures the general vibe of the pre-established series. Yeah. So we start out on an odd note because... Yeah. Um, one that I can't fix. Because we start out with Angel next to the Hollywood sign. Some time ago. And we see some kind of portal open up in the sky. Angel comes shooting out of it, crashes through the Hollywood sign. The sign falls on him. A giant O. As in, oh no, Angel's gonna make some mistakes. Nah. Not part of the book. I made it part of the book. But Angel's inner monologue, being Angel, and stick with me here because it's going to get weird. Ruins. Sometimes I forget that's all the world is. I flash back to the LA I lived in that I tried to save, and for a moment, it seemed like it never happened. Like we never lost the war. I look and expect to see lights. Just for a moment. And Angel looks out over Hollywood. Things are fine. He goes, hmm. Long moment. The hell is he talking about? So, in the version of the angel world that we've known up until now, Los Angeles had some issues, but it's now back as it was before. It's been resolved. Yeah, and we're back to normal. <laughs> yeah. That's at- not what's happening here. And co-writer of After the Fall said that Joss got less and less involved with scripting the more comfortable he felt with Brian Lynch. I'm not convinced he actually read the end of it. Let alone wrote any of it. Or that he remembered it, I guess. The end of After the Fall, 
and I'm saying like actually after the fall when Angel saved Los Angeles and this is about a 10 month difference in publication I just don't think Joss read it yeah or... this doesn't work at all I mean they've been out of hell for a good long while right it's just very odd it's an odd note to start out on mostly because this is trying to make a connection to the IDW stuff but but it just doesn't work, and it's weird. Even if you cut out everything after, okay, because I counted some stuff that Joss didn't directly work in, but it was basically the stuff that Brian Lynch did. I just said, let's continue with that. Everything else he's done is counted. Even if you cut it off at the very end of After the Fall, this still doesn't work, let alone what IDW continued to do for still a while after this. Or the only option that works, Angel flying through holes makes him stupid. Maybe. Maybe he's discombobulated. Maybe his memories are being tampered with. Or maybe no one bothered to finish after the fall. Yeah, or maybe this whole property switched companies and things got a little messy. Definitely that one. Yeah. But nevertheless, Angel is back and... He's back, baby. In Hollywood. And the first thing he does is talk to a talking dog. Usually you're on board for dogs. It's usually like your favorite thing. I am on board for this dog, but I was more concerned because they mentioned that it's a stray dog that they found. And I was like, why is this dog a stray? And why is it wandering around the Hollywood sign? And nobody answered my questions there. I was the only one there. Well, technically none of our animals answered those questions either. Our dog doesn't talk. No, he would say odd and inane things if he could. But this dog starts talking to Angel, who immediately takes it as a bad sign. I would take it as, like, the best sign in the world if a dog started talking to me. Angel just says this can't be good, and the dog is like, hey, we're gonna do something cool. And Angel's just like, is this about a higher purpose? And the dog's like, you betcha, buddy. And then he starts licking his own balls. Because he's a dog? Yeah. Yeah, that one's an odd moment. But we find out that it's really a power that's speaking through the dog to Angel. And Angel rightfully goes, I just spent some time working for a higher power. Didn't go that well. We went to another dimension. Things went poorly. God, that didn't repeat itself. Yeah, and the dog's like, no, no, this is different. I promise. And Angel sees a plane lose its wing above him. And the dog just says, better get started. And much like Superman, Angel flies up, kind of out of nowhere, catches the plane, brings it down. Thank God that plane didn't make it to an island because this is an oceanic flight. It's a dated reference now. Yeah. Well, I've also never seen Lost, so you would tell me what that one was. Don't think you really lost anything by not knowing Uh, the show. I didn't mean to. But it was so much better. It's better to just take credit for it. And so Angel is just accepting all of his accolades and he... Is starting to become Superman and he's... He's using the word ma'am. Speaking very formally. Yeah. It was nothing, ma'am. He almost gives them a speech about how statistically still the safest way to travel. Which one was that from? 7806. Two of them. Got repeated. Weird. It was a good moment. But this higher power, which, look, let's just call it what it is, Twilight, starts speaking through a woman and, like, look, we're going to do this and it's going to make that Shanshu look like a sack of crap. If you don't remember the Shanshu prophecy, that's okay. <laughs> It doesn't really come else into play here. Basically, if Angel's a good boy, he gets to be human again. Like Pinocchio. Angel is Pinocchio. Dawn was Pinocchio. I guess so. Because she had college sex. Yeah. But I guess Angel is Pinocchio as well. Well, Who does that make Jiminy Cricket? Wesley. Wes is his Jiminy Cricket? Someone that figured out the prophecy. And when Wes dies? A cricket loses his wings? I don't know. We also cut over to some 
other time ago, and we see our favorite peroxide vampire riding on the hood of his bug ship. Yeah, that's a weird sentence. I feel like that's a sentence that does not get said very often. And we see Spike is still fighting the senior partners, apparently also coming through his own portal, which is kind of sad. I wish I had seen these adventures that Spike was having fighting the senior partners on top of a spaceship. I mean, honestly, there's no reason why somebody couldn't go back and write that. It'd be pretty easy to fit in because there's no real mention of it too much before or after. So you could just kind of imagine them. Write your own. So choose your own adventure. Spike's portal happens to pop him right over London. I guess it's good for the British vampire. Helpful. And he's about to crash into Big Ben, which he thinks is funny. Fun fact, did you know that Big Ben is the tower, not the clock? I guess not. I've never really considered them to be separate things. They are. Okay. And I meant to double check this, but the only reason I can think of why this would be funny to crash a spaceship through Big Ben is from that 2005 episode of Doctor Who. It has to be. Where that happens. I was thinking about it too. I can't think of anything else that that would make any sense for. So Spike crashes his spaceship through Big Ben, which what I assume is a Doctor Who reference. Then we get some fun story juxtaposition. Uh, we find out. I like out that word. Juxtaposition? Yeah. Okay. Look, we, it's juxtaposed. We find out from Spike's rereading of everything. Just that, re- talking to himself. Yep. Talking to himself as he reads old newspapers, I guess, that... Buffy is now a terrorist, that there's a Slayer Jihad out, and that Harmony has beauty tips for everybody. He's not happy about the Harmony one. Buffy is a terrorist is far less surprising to him. But juxtaposing between Angel and Spike, we see the higher power basically saying, her enemies will come from all sides, unless they all stand behind you. Like, you're never going to sell me on this whole Angel was right thing. Stop trying, book. Yeah. I do like that they have... Uh, the higher power talking out of a, a woman and then and then an owl that happens to be sitting next to her on a bench. Because why not? Is that an owl? It's not, but I was just going to let you roll with it. What is it? A bird. It's a big bird that looks the size of her head versus the size of an owl. It's a falcon. I made it an owl again. <laughs> I'm picking owl. It's like Harry Potter. We see Angel getting his costume made by a tailor. Don't know why he's agreeing to this. Probably because the higher power is speaking through him. Yeah, so I feel like the higher power is actually controlling all of these people as they do their daily lives. They're talking to Angel. He has to wear a mask so no one can know. And Spike is watching a video of Twilight on YouTube and just goes, ah, oh, that'd be Angel then. I love how perceptive Spike is. I know. I also love that everybody else is like, who's Twilight? And he's like, He watches you a six-minute video on YouTube. Yeah. And we cut back to the present. Where demons are attacking Villain HQ, where Spike has just arrived, and they're all running onto his bug spaceship. And Buffy and Angel take to the skies to fend off the demons so everyone can escape. It's very helpful. And Angel gets immediately petty, which I love. I know. This is one of your favorite relationships. Oh, Angel and Spike are my favorite relationship on either one of these shows. When they're together, it just gets immediately petty, and that's what I enjoy the most. Unnecessary pettiness. It is. They immediately regress to about 12 years old. Like, the first thing Angel says is, like, I don't trust him, Buffy. Like, shut up. Buffy's like, I don't really trust either of you. Like, you know what? He's here with a spaceship. You're here with a universe that's going to destroy everyone. Yeah. Yay, spaceship. Right? And Buffy does the smartest thing she can do, which is to separate these two man babies. Good word for them. Yeah. And she tries to give Angel a pep talk that this is the best day ever and he needs to go and save girls because that's what he does. 
which is really just to get him out of there. Yeah. Smart move. It is, because with Spike hanging around, it would not be a good combination. And also, everyone else is still pissed at Angel. Right. Like, Willow flies by, turns him into a frog for a second. I mean, just so we're clear. Everyone's flying now. There's a fair amount of Buffy's fault involved in this as well, but we're all blaming it on Angel. And Angel will, of course, blame everything on himself, because, you know, I swear to God, his own worst enemy. So it's perfect. So Angel takes a whole horde of demons into his arms, somehow. Yeah, why not? And flies away to go save the world that he kind of ruined. Yes. And Buffy goes to Spike's bug ship, spaceship, interdimensional ship. Look, it was over on the IDW books. Go back and listen to the old episodes. Yeah, it really was. Everyone gets onto the ship and they are all really weirded out why Spike is hanging out with interdimensional bugs. I mean, I am equally weirded out by that, too. So we mentioned this before, back when uh, Willow crossed over to the Spike books. I'm really glad that she mentioned that Buffy knew Spike was alive, because otherwise there is no connection between the two of them. Like, Buffy just goes up to Spike and starts talking. Last time she saw him, you know, fire. He died. Buffy pulls Spike aside and she goes, let's do this in order. One, thanks for saving us from the Uber vamps. That was crazy studly and sorry I haven't been in touch, but as you can see, I'm somehow leading an army. You're well... Two, what do you know and how can you help? No jokes, no snark, no British slang that just means something dirty. One, under all that demon viscera, you still reek of him, and that's not a treat for me. But it can't be Buffy if she doesn't bonk the bad guy, right? Snark! Comes with a sizable package. Two, under no circumstances can you trust him. I... If I was an actor, I could have delivered that a lot better. I, you know... Yeah, work that's, with what you got. that's just not your path in life. Right now you got me. I really like how Joss just kind of picked up where the two of them left off. And I, just kept rolling from there. I like that Spike opens with the dick joke. He doesn't really open with it. It's more a rebuttal. Okay. He rebuts with that. And they just get right into it. Buffy asks what he knows. He's like, hey, you been to any higher dimensions lately? And Spike starts giving us some lovely exposition. Basically, Buffy and Angel birthed a whole new reality and then abandoned it at birth. And reality ain't happy. Yeah. Somehow Spike's understanding of it is clearer than my understanding of it even though i technically saw it happen and spike did not but everybody seems to roll with that so i can i can go along with whatever spike is just saying and spike says look this is gonna be a little bit weird but we have to go back to sunnydale and everybody's like sunnydale because we start to learn more stuff about the world that we never knew before that's just getting jammed in right at the end yeah, this is my biggest problem by far with the last two arcs of this whole 40-issue season, is that you have this huge build-up for who is Twilight and what is Twilight's main purpose, and then all of a sudden in the we last... We have to awkwardly shove in a bunch of exposition to get to an end. Yes, like the last, what is it, nine issues? More like seven or eight, yeah. Are just, A like... race to the finish. Yeah, and... And it's, there's no lead-in. There's nothing that I could have figured out in advance. I like being a reader who can put together the clues if I feel like having them there. And there are no clues. I'm not going to say that this ends bad because there's some really good beats in here. And it's really nice having Spike back at the mix. Something this season has desperately lacked that was always good in Buffy. There's always someone to do it, whether it was Cordelia or Anya or Spike. Someone in the background going, this is stupid. You're all stupid. And we've missed that this season up until Spike is back and he just immediately jumps back into that role. It's very welcome. But 
the reason this ending doesn't work as well for me is much as a lot of other stuff buffy works best as a character driven story our recent shift has turned into a plot driven story and buffy doesn't work as well as a plot driven story right because up until now it was all about how how are the characters going to react to this new threat upon their world and how are they going to react when the world doesn't and now the plot is like literally them. pushing them into the finale yeah it feels rushed to me but more so than that it feels unearned your big thing is that things have to be earned in media and this ending does not feel earned to me but spike says they need to go back to sunnydale to dig up the seed of wonder everybody's like what is a seed of wonder see that would have been a perfect thing to drop a couple times early on and then we saw it once i wouldn't have felt so abandoned back i think it was issue 10 when they see some stuff out of order in the timeline but still everyone cares so much amy and warren are making out in the background and that's super gross it's real weird because he has no skin and then we cut over to our i guess technically second glimpse of the seed of wonder because like i said we did see it earlier in the season and we see someone but we see a voice speak off screen it goes kids they only visit when they need something and who is it it's the master why is he here I don't know, because we killed him a really long time ago, and then they made a statue, and then it lived in the store for a really long time, and then somebody bought it. That's my story of the master. Yes, I did sell that figure. I was super excited. Sold it for more than I bought it for, like 10 years prior. Yay! But, yeah, the master is back in Sunnydale with the Seed of Wonder. Cool? Cool. It's like a glowing red egg. Let's just keep dropping random things in here. Yeah. And the story continues, and this is a bit hanging a lantern on this a phrase that i learned from you it's a narrative thing when you point out kind of the silliness of a thing within the story itself without breaking the fourth wall no no i like the concept and i like that there's a word specifically for that i just didn't know it or rather a phrase so we see spike goes up to buffy goes so what do you say love fancy a bit of exposition like screw it we gotta cram it in let's just put it out there but see that's the weird part is that this has been a 40 issue arc and somehow we're feeling the need to cram out of time. so many things into the last eight issues. Quick gist is Spike tells the origin of the universe. Seems weird that no one knew what that was except for Spike. Yeah. It seems like an odd thing to be like, I know the history of the universe. Don't tell anyone. The Earth in this dimension was created by energies flowing in from other dimensions. And all those energies eventually became the Seed of Wonder, which then acts as a shield to close off all of those dimensional barriers and is also the source of all magic in the world. That was such a better explanation than I got from this book, so thank you. You said that last episode, too. See? Maybe that's what you should do. Your new job should just be comic book summarizer. Explainer of things. (laughs) Yes. Exposition master. Then we start getting into the problem of this finale. Spike says there are really two options for what they're going to go do. Spike's metaphor is think of the seed of wonder like a cork in a bottle. Basically, it's holding everything back. You take the cork out, everything flows out. Also, if you want to go with more references to Lost, just go right on back there. I'm not getting into it. That's fine. I don't need to know. If they've seen it, they get it. If they haven't, it's fine too. Yeah. Basically, you take the cork out, all the dimensional barriers come down, Demons all come in, end of the world. The other option that he gives is you break the cork. You break the cork in the bottle, and then there's no way any of the liquid can get out, or in this case, there's no way that demons can come pouring in. 
but you break the cork, magic goes away. That's very true for this world, but I've definitely been able to get wine out of a broken cork situation before. So have I. Okay, just checking. I wasn't going to bring it up, but yeah. But I like the analogy. But here's the problem, and before we even get into it, Spike is presenting, and where you never get another option, a lose-lose scenario. Option one, the demons from the other world take the cork, and everything comes pouring in. And they take it to the dimension that Buffy Angel created, by the way. Yeah. Option two, the cork breaks, and magic goes away. But the problem is, and we establish throughout this arc, all those barriers that are open are still open, and they're not going away. So if they do nothing, dimensional barriers still stay open. What we needed here is a third option. An option where they can win, and we are never given a winning choice. We're also never given enough information that you could come up with a winning choice all by yourself, like as a reader. Buffy isn't really paying attention to anything Spike has to say because she's fantasizing about having sex with him. Yeah, yes. Even though, didn't she just have sex with Angel? It's been like 20 minutes. Like, interesting. And Spike goes away. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to some people who will listen to me. And we see Xander and Don are talking together. It's the end of the world. Xander thinks he's about to die, so... He does a big romantic (sighs) gesture. Yep, he does the same crap he's done before. Worked out well last time, too. You may remember back in the 100th episode, the finale of Season 5, they all thought the world was going to end, and Xander proposed to Anya. How'd that go? Uh, She's dead, and he left her at the altar. Not great. Not in that order. On any account for Anya. Be weird if that was the order. How about she died and then he left at the altar? Well, you know, I guess if you found out the, the bride wasn't coming. But Xander asked Don to move in with him. And unlike Anya, who was smart enough to go, let's deal with this after we survive the apocalypse, Don's like, I'm in. Right. I'm also Don now. I guess so. I like to announce the characters I'm playing. Playing. Today I shall be playing a combination of Don, Spike, Angel. Anybody else yet? Not so far, I don't think. We will add to this list. Stay tuned, dear listener. But hey, at least Xander's consistent. True. He's not the only one. Angel's pretty consistent, too. And while Spike is giving exposition to everyone else, he's also doing this with a bottle in front of everyone, but he refuses to pour out the alcohol. (laughs) I'm with Spike. Yeah, it's like... He's like, you know what? I'm not going to give you the full visual metaphor because no. It's like a 70-year-old bottle of, I don't know what, Madeira port, something like that. But while Spike is doing this, out of nowhere, Willow faints. And she doesn't wake up back with our friends. She wakes up with the green snake lady. The naked one. Yeah. Look, her name is Alowen. I don't think we've said it at all. We have not yet. I'm not going to remember that until I I see it written. I just like calling her Naked Green Snake Lady. Well, yeah. I like it too. And Willow complains. She's like, huh, I like the other way of getting here better, which is having sex with her girlfriend so she can go have sex with a naked demon snake lady. This is a smutty book. I know. I knew that. Alowen basically says, hey, Spike's right. If you destroy the seed... That's the end. No more magic. We'll never see each other again, and you will lose your powers, even though you just gave them up like half a day ago. Right. Right. That's another confusing part, because they just willingly tried to go to Tibet to do this, and now that the option is being placed in front of them, they're like, no, that doesn't seem like a good idea. But anyway, Green Lady has a vision that Buffy would be betrayed by somebody close to her, so... Which is consistent with what we've been told ominous but moving back to you see at least that was set up early on yeah that's all i wanted 
But Willow wakes up. She's like, we have to protect the seed. Like, yeah, we, I know. And we return to Sunnydale. It's a giant crater. And it took me a couple minutes to realize that that was Sunnydale, which is probably not one of my prouder moments to say to an audience, but. I'm glad you admitted that, that that giant hole in the ground that Spike made when he went all blowed up. Well, it's just a big crater. And I was not really that fussed about it. It was just a big crater. And we see that the army is there trying to fight off demons. Portals are opening all over the sky. Demons are pouring out. And there's also demons on the ground. Buffy says just to get over Sunnydale and she's going to jump out. And Spike's like, not without me, you are. And the two of them jump out of the bug ship together. Buffy with her superpowers and Spike with his being a vampire. Yep. And Buffy's... Mind you, the sun's out right now, so he's smoking. Yeah. Quite literally. And Buffy's being very epic in her internal monologue. I can feel it. One way or another, the war ends here. Spike's totally touching my butt. <laughs> Those are your favorite kind of asides. Oh, yeah. Where it's like something serious, serious, serious. Something silly. Something totally unrelated. And silly. Yes. And Willow is also about to fly down, but Xander stops her. He's like, hey, we do this together. Take us home. And so they do. And she's going to bring everyone down. And they probably also want to get away from the bugs. And Buffy and Spike fly underground because, again, superpowers. And Buffy's like, where's the seed? And as she says that, the master pimp slaps her. Yes, because he, because he is the protector of the seed. Apparently. Yeah. And the short version the master gives is shortly after Buffy called all the other slayers, the seed brought him back to life to protect it. Look, I like the master as a character, but he serves no purpose in the story. No, it's just weird. And apparently the seed has given the master extra powers because he just lightly slaps Spike away and he's just bleeding from like Same with Buffy. Well, Buffy at least has powers. He has to hit her good and hard, but Spike, he just has this little flippant, like, meh. Whack is actually the word that they use. And Spike is bleeding everywhere. And while the master's paying attention to Spike, Buffy comes up from behind him and punches his head into the ground. Bam! I do like that. It's one of those, the sound effect is almost half of the page, so you know how hard Buffy has really hit the master. Yes. She's also not a big fan of the master because of that time he killed her. Right. And he's probably not a big fan of Buffy because of that time she killed him. Yeah, so old they, grudges. They both got over it. Kind of. They're back. Barely. I do like Spike. He just looks at Buffy because my hero. Oh, that's so sweet. And all throughout this issue, we've seen that Angel's been flying all around the world, saving girls, fighting demons. And talking to more animals. Well, that's more recent development. It could have happened any of the times. You think he was just constantly flying away from talking animals going, nope! Yes. I can't hear you. That's how I'd like to imagine it. And for some reason, Angel's talking to himself. Okay, gotta continue the fight. Do you not talk to yourself? No, I don't feel the need to say my mantra out loud. Oh, I talk to myself all the time. He just likes to repeat it ten times a day, remind himself to do it. Yes. Be consistent. Yes. And we see, like you said, some talking animals approach him. A cat and a bird. And they have... Their own special font. But this bird and cat combine and grow in size. And we see that it has become a lion with the wings of an eagle and a fiery green mane. An image that we saw well back in the first arc. But this yeah. is something that was set up too. That was, yeah. And Twilight says to Angel, you know, you abandoned me. You're going to finish what you started. 
Yes. And when the talking flame lion is telling you to do things. It's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Even though he kind of looks like Discount Aslan. Does he have the voice of Liam Neeson? I don't know. Is that what he had in the movie? Yes. Oh. Ireland's favorite actor. My favorite of the books was The Horse and His Boy. It was nobody else's favorite ever. But wow. I loved it. And probably still do. Basically, the short version is The Lion Beats Up Angel. Yeah. It says a thing here that I personally don't believe. Mm-hmm. Angel's, you know, trying to hit it with a piece of rebar. He's like, do you think I gave up fighting? And Twilight responds, I think you would have, if not for her. Look mm-hmm. around you, the queen is dead. Long live me. I mean, the point of Angel as a series, in even the way that the show ended, was very much on the note of Angel's the guy that never stops fighting no matter what. Right. So I don't ever buy that Angel would actually stop fighting. Whereas Buffy is much more tactical, and so if it, it mean, would be better to... Compare that to the Buffy series finale, where they ended the idea of maybe Buffy could have a normal life, and that was a good thing. Right, yeah. Not... So I'd almost believe the inverse of what Twilight says here, but maybe he doesn't know Angel that well. Maybe he didn't watch the show for five seasons. Probably not. And as Twilight is fighting with Angel, we cut back to Sunnydale, and a bunch of demons... Rush in looking for the seed. And Willow sets them all on fire. Yes, yeah. And a few of them get stabbed and hacked away with axes. And as the demons attack, Dawn gets thrown into a pile of stone and cracks her head. Or crooms her head, as the Onomatopoe would tell us. Yeah. And Basically, then... Dawn has a concussion. Yeah. And then Willow sets that vampire on fire that came and leered over her. And Xander picks her up and he's going to get her out of there. Because the military's there, they have some medical tents set up outside. And as Xander walks out, Buffy plans to kill the master, but Willow stops her. It's like He's the protector of the seed, and right now we need him. Even though he's going to contribute literally nothing to the story. Sorry, that was me, not Willow. But the important bit that we learn here is that the seed acts like kryptonite to Buffy and Angel. So she's going to go back up top to fight off all the demons where the seed won't take away her new superpowers. Again, let's just keep on making things up as we go. Again, we see that Angel has been defeated by Twilight, and his eyes are glowing green, and he has been possessed. Yeah, that whatever Twilight tells him, Angel has to do immediately. Like, fly, for example. And we see that Buffy and Giles have gone topside, where all the fighting is happening. Demons from the sky are attacking, the military is attacking, some slayers up top are attacking... And Giles basically says that he's going to go gather up a bunch of demons from this reality because they don't want the other demons to come in and ruin their way of life. And they take kind of a a quiet moment. And Giles goes to her and says, This may be Sunnydale, but we're not running around cemeteries anymore, Buffy. You're not that girl. You become something I could never have imagined. And I don't mean the powers. But you must put those powers to use now. And I can help, but not here. I'll see you when this is over. And Spike, to ruin this moment, just yells at him in the game with my amazing British accent. Then go, you great bloody git. Thank you. Did that hurt everyone else's ears? It hurt mine. Um, Going back to that little Giles moment, though, that's one of my favorite. That is by far my favorite Giles moment in this arc. And one of my favorite Giles moments, probably since he was in that arc with Faith. Yeah, Giles hasn't done a lot this season. No, and I I love Giles. In the last two arcs, he's basically just served as, oh yeah, that thing that I never told you about? 
Yeah, I've known about it for a while, so... Well, I mean, a lot of Giles' role on the show was exposition guy. It totally was, but usually it was exposition guy on a much lower scale, or, like, they built up the exposition together instead of just, like, oh, wait, sorry about that thing that I knew about but never told anybody about. Hope it doesn't come back. So, Buffy and Spike run off to fight the demons. Buffy's staying about 17 steps ahead of Spike. It's convenient that this is all happening in the... Caverns. In the caverns. Where Spike isn't going to burn up. I was going to say also in the late part of the day. I what? almost said twilight. I was going to say, what part of the day would that be? I don't know. Would that dusk? be twilight? It's happening nope. at dusk. It's happening at twilight, baby. It's happening at dusk. I solved my own problems. And speaking of twilight... He's back and he just ripped a demon apart. Him being angel now. Right. And Buffy looks up with joy on her face and guts because angel literally just ripped a demon in half in front of her and she has some crap on her now yeah and because angel never smiles nobody ever thinks that he's possessed or anything he looks real jesusy here yeah and buffy looks at him and just very lovingly angel and he responds by punching her in the face and then spike just goes angelus and he also gets whapped in the face whap is a great onomatopoeia moment I also, everyone's just speaking like one word sentences here, and Buffy goes, no. Yes, he does. So. And we're just going to refer to him as, I don't know, probably go back and forth. Angel or Twilight will count here. We'll talk about the same guy. And the two of them start to fight. Buffy knows that something is wrong, and Spike rushes him with a very silly insult. Finally chosen aside, have you scared hair? Um, <laughs> Scared hair? I love that, because... As you don't always have the most natural hair height. Because mine goes vertical? Yes, because you have vertical hair. But I like the scared hair concept. But this isn't 100% Twilight. There's still a touch of Angel in there because he grabs Spike by the throat and just goes, Spike, the sun hasn't set and flies straight up in the air to kill Spike and just to let him burn. So Buffy flies up to go rescue Spike. And separates them and brings us back to issue three and just goes, I liked it better when you were kissing. Speaking to her weird threesome dream of trains going into opposite ends of a mountain. It was not my favorite. But Buffy says this out loud and Spike just goes, as he's falling, I'm fairly certain I never mentioned. Because in Angel season five, we had this one kind of offhand comment from Spike that the two of them had hooked up once. And the two of them being Angel and Spike, by the way. Yeah. And Joss has basically confirmed it. He's like, yeah, they're liberal guys. They've been around each other for like a hundred years. Yeah, Joss doesn't care one bit. Like, Angel and Spike totally hooked up that one time. Well, there you go. And as Spike is falling to his death, the bug ship flies out and catches him. But the entire world is falling apart. Angel is throwing fighter jets at Buffy. Faith is fighting demons on the ground. Other slayers are. Buffy and Angel are fighting in the sky like superheroes. Spike is flying around an interdimensional bug ship, and boy, did this story get big. Yeah, and it got big in the last two arcs. And as all looks lost, Giles comes in riding his mighty demon steed. If you've ever seen The Hobbit, Giles looks just like the dwarf king that comes riding in on the pig. Oh, who's that actor? Billy somebody. Billy Connolly. Yeah. Yeah. and he's... Does he look just like that? Kind of. And he's with the demons from the first issue that were all mad that Buffy killed a few of them. And Giles is like, you'll get your revenge. 
This is their revenge. Exactly. Long callback. Everybody stuck to that. Only took four years. Well, you know, hopefully it doesn't take four years in their world. And we go back underground where Willow has been gaining strength from the seed. She doesn't trust the master, so she shackled him and starts using her newfound powers to turn the earth against all these demons, which basically means she just starts shooting like tree roots at everyone. But, you know, if you get impaled by a tree root, you're dead. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's effective. It feels like there's a more effective way of killing people, but it worked, so. Yeah, just impale everyone. Yeah. In the midst of all the chaos, Giles approaches Faith and says that he needs the scythe back. Faith has been topside all this time fighting with the scythe, the weapon of the Slayer. And he's like, hey, I kind of need that thing. Remember when I said I was looking for a weapon that could kill a god? Turns out we had it the whole time. Yeah. This broke my heart a little bit. So Giles comes running up to Faith and he goes, Faith, I need, I need. And Faith, meanwhile, is leading a whole group of people. And she just goes, check it, G. Soldiers Ooh, that and... sounds weird coming out of your mouth. You say it then. No, that hurt. Check it, G. Check it, G. Ugh, G for Giles. Check it, Giles. Ugh. Hi, Giles. <laughs> Let's change it. Salutations, Giles. Greetings, Giles. Soldiers and slayers together. And... and and she just wants to be... She's just so excited that she is creating her own army. And unlike Buffy's army that was very divisive, that Faith is creating her own group of fighters that come from different backgrounds. They're not even all slayers. They're not even all female. And it's just that everybody's working together for a common goal. And she's just so excited to be the leader of this. And Giles has zero time for that. He's like, I need the scythe for Buffy. And Faith just Because she's more important. See you later. Bye. Yeah. Faith just goes right and hands it to him. And that breaks my heart. Once again, people choosing Buffy over Faith. Never happened before. No. And we take a quick jaunt over to Italy where Amy is teleported Warren and they're having a lovely meal together because they were like, screw this, we're out. Yeah. And the chaos continues. We see that Xander has snuck his way after dropping Don off at a military... Field tent. Yeah. Has snuck back down to the seat of wonder and Angel comes crashing through the roof and Buffy just kicks him in the gut. Angel, Twilight, being all whiny you were chosen buffy and the master comes up behind him that's original and angel punches him through the skull and the master is dead and why was the master here it's super gross also the fact that we brought the master back to kill him in the middle of a page in just like a middle panel and it's like oh he's dead bye sure i'm glad the master came back he contributed so much yeah i mean i think it was more of a giving something to the fans but still speaking as the fans what i don't know I don't know. It was a waste of time. Well, it happened. As the master is trying to dust, Buffy leaps up and goes, Go, Angel! Also, take that! And kicks him in the face. And as Buffy and Angel are fighting next to the seed, Buffy's trying to protect it. Angel's trying to remove it. Giles comes up behind Xander and just goes, What are you doing down here? I I was... Xander, there's nothing you can do. Their power fades in proximity to the seed. But the seed fuels the scythe. Thanks for that information. So throw it to her. Xander, it's Angel. At the very least, she'll hesitate. She wants to stop him, not kill him. No. Do not go in there. I can end this. Giles, I'm all for rash acts of nobility. But you can't get between these two. Xander, that's exactly where she needs me. 
And Giles comes out with the intention to destroy the seed and kill Angel. And so he's running at the seed. With the scythe. And Angel comes up behind Giles, just says, Buffy, you abandoned me for this? And he snaps Giles' neck. And this mirrors the death that Angelus did in season two of killing Jenny Callender with one distinct difference. When Jenny Callender died, even though Angel didn't drink her blood, he had vamp face on, so the idea was eventually you could forgive Angel for this other act. And here, he's 100% human. Or, you know, not human, but he at least has the regular Angel face. Yeah, and I mean, for Angel's sake, he is being controlled by a higher power. But the image we have here is Giles is dead. The Giles is dead at, at Angel, not Angelus's hand. For me, going into this season, and a lot of this comes from the commentary on the last episode of Buffy, the main four characters, you know, Buffy, Willow, Xander, Giles, I wasn't concerned about their well-being at all. The way the show ended, the commentary track was essentially, I can't end the show the way I want to and lose any of these characters. I'll lose the message I'm going for. So I basically, the stakes were gone. Yeah, you just counted them as safe in your book and moved along. And Giles drops to the ground. And I love this panel of Buffy. Like her, it just looks like her, her her eyes are coming out. Her eyes are, like, the whites of her eyes are massive. Her pupils have just shrunk to nothing. And she sh- hits Angel as hard as she can across the room. Then we keep on cutting back to Giles' lifeless body on the ground. Tears streaming from Buffy's eyes. She grabs the scythe, says no more, and destroys it. The seed, that is. And thus takes all of the magic out of the world. All of the demons shoot back into their portals. Which brings me back to, there was no win. They were, the options were protect the seed to leave these portals open where demons are pouring in, destroy the seed, send them all back, or let the demons take it and destroy the world. They didn't have a winning option. No. No. I was just thinking about Giles' line that the scythe is powered by the seed that Buffy just destroyed. But. You mean the scythe that gave them all their powers? Yeah. Yep, doesn't make sense. No. And that's. I know that's a weird thing to get hung up on, but it just doesn't work for me. And as all the demons are being sucked away, Willow falls to the ground. She's lost her powers. We cut over to Italy, where Amy is with Warren. And since his skin was a mystical field that Amy was keeping up, Warren finally dies. And blood and guts just fall to the ground in a lovely little splat. What I think is interesting is that Willow will explain it. And I don't know if it's this. She will say that... With all the magic gone in the world, that slayers still exist, but no new slayers will be called. So even though there's no more magic in the world, Buffy still has her old slayer magic power. This season is very much trying to line itself up with Frey. They're going to drop that crap real fast. I really liked Frey. I was also really fine with Frey being more or less of a standalone. Or you could even say split timeline. I'll yeah. take split timeline. Okay. And all the demons except for one giant squid thing with a toothy hole in its front weird get sucked back in and spike leaves with his bug ship because they have to stop that one remaining demon yep and willow exclaims they lost and we see underground the panel that we saw back what i think was issue 10 of buffy crying on the ground with cuts and bruises with the seed destroyed behind her and she's been betrayed and the betrayer is angel angel not so shockingly and we also see that while the seed was destroyed, the scythe was as well. This is an upper. Yeah. And we get to our last issue of season eight. 
Cutting to the future, where Buffy, using her only other skill other than slaying, is back to being a waitress. This time at a coffee shop. So, moving on up. And she's in San Francisco. I liked the very epilogue feel of this last issue. For as much as I was kind of a downer on the rest of this arc, I liked that this was an epilogue. I got a little distance, because I think part of it, too, was that so many things were happening so fast right at the end, and it felt too quick and too... I mean, I was about to say unrealistic, but... <laughs> yes, the vampire story was unrealistic. Yes. And while Buffy is working in her coffee shop, she is tripped by some hippie chick. And Buffy notes in her mind that there's a lot of clumsy girls in San Francisco. Meaning that all the Slayers are pissed at her. Mm-hmm. And after that, we see that Buffy is talking to Kennedy. And Kennedy's leaving. And Kennedy's blaming Buffy for everything. She's like, yeah, no, I was there when Giles died. And um, that Buffy wants Kennedy to stay because Willow lost her powers and she's going to need Kennedy. Yeah, I think it's interesting because Buffy and Kennedy have not really had... Buffy has... Any positive relationship? Yeah, I mean, Buffy in a way was like, I'm on Kennedy's side a few little times. But... Yeah, but they never actually got along. Right, and so this scene happens in Kennedy's bedroom. You can take it two ways. That it's weird that Buffy and Kennedy are getting closer or that Buffy cares so much about Willow that she has gone to go find Kennedy. To convince her to stay, but Kennedy says that Willow dumped her. Yeah, and Willow admits it to Buffy, and she basically is like, look, Kennedy didn't want to date a regular girl. Kennedy wanted to date a superhero. Kennedy wanted to date somebody with extraordinary powers, and it was just going to wither and die, so I just ended it early. And then... Willow also says that she has feelings for someone else, meaning Alwyn, which, you know, I guess, yeah, definitely break up with your girlfriend if you've been actively having sex with someone else via having sex with your girlfriend, so. It's a really weird situation, and it's not really clear how much Kennedy knows about it, but I think it's better that the less that Kennedy knows, the better it is for her. Probably. So Willow is super pissed. Yeah, yes, that there's no magic. And we see that Buffy is currently living with Xander and Dawn sleeping on their couch. And one of the sadder moments of this is while she's asleep, she is dreaming of that final battle underneath Sunnydale. And Angel comes to and just goes, Buffy, what happened? Did we, did we win? And we again see Giles' body. And it, yeah, it's heartbreaking. And Dawn is talking to Buffy. She's like, hey, you can hang out as much as you want, even though the gang really isn't the gang anymore. No, that while there are still vampires and slayers, it's not... The same anymore. No, there's no magic left, quite literally. And we see our replacement general, who is complaining that they lost, even though I don't understand this. The general got everything he wanted. The demons have been thinned out. The slayers have been thinned out. And magic is yeah, gone from the world. Magic is gone. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to get court-martialed, but my career is over and we lost. You won. You got exactly what you wanted. What's this lost crap? I know. Well, it's part of the whole, I didn't know what the other solution was. Yeah. We... I'm not sure what he didn't get. And as he gets off the phone with his wife, Simone pops up. Hey, Simone. With a giant gun and, and kills him. Yeah, shoots him in the head. Because Simone wants to show the world that the Slayers have not become meaningless, that they still have the power, an underground sect. And following a funeral for Giles, we see the reading of his will with Buffy and Faith. 
And in canon, we get Faith's last name being said for the first time. In case you're curious, it's Faith Lahane. This was mentioned in, I forget what, it was some kind of like, it was a book that was released. It was like a, you know, guide to Buffy. And it was the first time her name was done. But this is the first time it's been used in canon. And it turns out Giles has left his entire estate to Faith. Every single piece of what he owned, except for one book. One book that goes all the way back to episode one. Vampire with a Y, so you know it's serious. And Faith basically says to Buffy, and I kind of agree with Faith's assessment of it, Giles knows you can take care of yourself and he needs to give me this chance at a start, but the one thing he left for you is the thing that says that you're the real slayer. I know. That also breaks my heart. Faith is far too perceptive of how much she is treated second to Buffy that it just it just kills me. And Faith has a new mission. Inside Giles' home in England, in the basement, sits Angel. Comatose, unmoving, just staring. She says everyone else hates him right now, but I'm all about forgiveness. Which mirrors one Faith went to Angel in the first season of that show. And she was looking to die, and Angel turned her life around. And that's not a debt that she can just give up on. No. And also, Faith and Angel, the times they've interacted, they've always had... Just a very special relationship. They've always been there to help the other one when they were broken. In some ways, Angel, which is weird because he's, you know, we just went over the fact that he and Buffy are like meant to be together and they have their own thing that is everlasting and all that. But Angel is one of the few characters who does not treat Faith like discount Buffy or like second Buffy. And back in San Francisco, I guess when Buffy is returned from England, Spike is outside of her window. She refuses to let him in. He does not get an invite, but he's like, hey, I've had my ear to the ground and someone's coming for you. And she's like, yep. Yep, I'm still the Slayer, so sounds like a plan. Welcome to Buffy. And she's super awkward around Spike and runs away. And every night she goes out and she has to patrol, partially because Dawn is screwing with her. Yeah, yep. So Dawn, being a good little sister, she has graciously allowed Buffy to come and live with her and Xander for as long as she wants. But that doesn't mean that Dawn's not going to prod Buffy every once in a while to give them a a little alone time. So while Xander is in the shower and unbeknownst to him, Dawn is making fake sex noises just to get Buffy to leave. And it works. Don insinuates that Xander is going to put it in a very uncomfortable place, like the back of a Volkswagen. And it works. Buffy goes out patrolling and runs across our hippie. And they throw a rock at Buffy's head. And Buffy's like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And Buffy's like, I'm not going to fight you. So these three slayers rush Buffy and she just hands them their ass in about two seconds. And she's like, that wasn't me fighting. You don't want to see me fight. And it wasn't. Like, it's literally just she moved them out of the way. And the girls run away. And Buffy gives one final speech for the season. We see some things to come, including next year's Big Bad, whose appearance will change quite significantly. But as the girls run away, Buffy goes. So that sucked. And as bad as it feels to take out my own girls, I know there's more coming. And not just because Spike's playing cub reporter. I know because that's how betrayal works. It sends out ripples of hurt. One's right next to you, 
ones you can't even see. Sometimes I'm not even sure which part was the betrayal. Everyone got their version. I'm pretty sure it was the boy from Twilight, but still, I just know it all comes back. And then some. And Buffy hears a scream. There's a girl in an alley being attacked by a vampire. The trouble with changing the world is, you don't. Not all at once. You just inch it forward a bit at a time and watch it slip back, like the Greek guy with the rock. Uh, editor's note, that's Sisyphus. Thank you. Did you know that? Yeah, I also know that's one of Whedon's favorite books, Myth of Sisyphus. Oh, that makes sense. Anyway, uh, and you hope that when you're done, you've moved it up a little, changed it just enough, you hope. And then we end with the same line that we ended the Angel series with, and it's so perfect that Buffy and Angel are a little bit the same. And it ends with, let's go to work. So you see Buffy jumping down with the moon behind her, with a stake in her hand, ready to attack and go back to basics it's very fitting let's go to work yep so thus ends the majority of season eight we'll really do the wrap-up next time but yeah that's the end of the main thing i like the last issue it leaves me with a better taste in my mouth than the whole seed thing that popped up really randomly in the last and the master and couple things angel is twilight and I was even fine with Angel as Twilight. We can get into this next time. That's yeah, not a big deal. But I, this, there are good moments, and the moments that stand out are the character moments. Yes. And Giles dying is a massive deal. Yeah, and I almost feel like that gets overshadowed by the general confusion that's happening. And well, it could have just been me, but I don't know. I think the chaos that was surrounding them, the thing that ends it, is something personal. Yeah. It is, and and just and mirroring. that and it breaks Angel and and that's like I said. I mean, this isn't one hundred percent Twilight control. There's still a touch of Angel in there. I mean, doing that exact same kill in that exact same way, and the way that he did it with Jenny Calendar was so disrespectful. I mean, he was going full vamp. He he treated her like garbage, like you're not even worth feeding on, and just snapped her neck. Mm-hmm. And doing the same with Giles. And Giles, the guy who never fully trusted Angel, and even less after he came back from the dead. Yep. Giles, the guy who warned against Angel. I mean... At every turn. Yeah. And now... And Buffy losing that mentor. And, and also it, it, losing Angel at the same time. I mean... Oh, yeah, and Buffy and Angel don't see each other again for a very long time. I mean, the general just was, even when Angel went off to his own show, they basically saw each other at least once a year. They go a long time without seeing each other again. This isn't something you come back from quick. I remember when you got the issue that they got back together. Uh, or th that they interacted again. <laughs> and you were so excited that you didn't even... You had to read it in the car before you left. But, I don't know. Well, we'll talk about season eight as a whole in the next episode. But this last arc is really a mixed bag. But I like that it ends on a stronger note. Or at least I think it does. And I'll say... This in general for season eight, because it'll be hard to kind of go back and collect my thoughts for everything. For the ups and downs that season eight had, season eight had a purpose. It had a message. Very much the idea of once you have power, what do you do with it? And if nothing else, it's at least memorable. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we'll get into some future stuff that's going to be a little bit less like, oh, my God. 
And I because like... they do kind of tone it back down a little bit. Not, you know, completely, but season eight is memorable as hell. I like how many people we got to pull into it. That we got to pull in Angel and Spike and... Riley and Oz. Right. And, and we got to add in some people like Oz's wife and... Who we'll never see again. No, but I like the concept of seeing that Oz moved on and I like that we get Giles and we get Faith and we get... We get all of these people. Yeah, I mean, there's a nice bit to being in a comics medium where you don't have to worry about, like, scheduling. Yeah, so... And you can just take the characters, because I know you're one, whenever I talk, you don't like to, like, admit that, like, actors have real lives and contracts and scheduling. So, yeah. If it serves the story, it serves the story. Like, that's not how that works always. I would rather read a book or watch a movie for that exact reason. They just tend to have... A book is, to me, preferable above all because there's no outside influence, and that's not true. Because there are fewer outside influences that will make something like characters not come back. Because you've told me before about in the TV show of Buffy and of Angel that various plot lines were supposed to happen and people were supposed to come back, but then scheduling conflicts happened. That's maybe one of my least favorite phrases that you say, scheduling conflicts happened. What are you going to do? But Buffy and Angel are back under the same roof. Next season, we'll be treating their stories in tandem. Less of a confusing timeline. Yes. But before we get into Season 9, we'll be back next week to wrap up Season 8, talk about some one-shots in Season 8 in general. Until then, you can find the show over on editorsnotecomics.com, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The show can be found on iTunes and other podcasting platforms. If you could rate, review, subscribe, it would help other people find the show. Stop being selfish and hogging it for yourself. Also, talk to us. Write to us. Oh, yeah. There's an email. Say editors, hi to us. Editorsnotecomics at gmail.com. I'm almost on summer vacation, and give me something to respond to. You've been on summer vacation for about two months. Oh, I'm almost done with summer vacation. By the time this That's comes so out. That's so sad. That's so <laughs> sad. You've been Don't at... let summer go away. You've been there for a while. It's almost gone. No. If you want to get the show a week early, you can head over to patreon.com slash editors note comics. $1 a month will get you this show a week early every week. Do you want to find out the end of season eight, the remaining tidbits, throw a buck our way. Or you could come into the store, buy things in person and meet the podcast dog who's asleep next to us right now. I'm sure this episode had many a grunt in it. He's I'm hard sure to, it did. He's hard to edit around. <sighs> I know. He was tired. And so, we'll see you next week. To finish off Season 8 and a little bit of cleanup. Until then. See ya. Bye.